This is You Can Adopt, a series which explores and debunks many of the most common misconceptions about adoption in England. You'll hear first-hand experiences from many different people involved in the adoption process, with each episode hosted by recognisable voices sharing their own experiences of adoption. To find out more and to begin your journey towards growing your family, please visit youcanadopt.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching You Can Adopt. Now, enjoy the episode. You are listening to the You Can Adopt podcast with me, Ashley Jean-Baptiste. Now, if you don't know who I am, I am a BBC reporter and presenter. I present a couple of shows on BBC One and I also report for BBC News and often The One Show. Uh, but I've got a really close connection to the theme of this podcast because I grew up in foster care. Between the ages of two and 18, I was moved between four different foster homes and also I lived in a residential care home. So a really tough uh, childhood. But what I recently discovered through a BBC project, I interviewed a former social worker of mine. I found out that actually I was nearly put up for adoption. They found a couple for me, but at the last hurdle, it didn't go through. So the themes that we talk about on this podcast is really pertinent to me and I'm really excited because this is the 14th episode of the podcast where we speak to guests all about aspects of the adoption experience. We've spoken with experts, adopted people, adopters, birth parents and celebrities about their experiences with adoption from all angles. And today I'm really excited people because we are welcoming Luke to the podcast. Uh, he was adopted at the age of three. Hello, Luke. Hi there, Ashley. Great to meet you. Um, thank you for having me Great on. Great to meet you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about t- today's chat. Me You've too. got a really powerful story and I'm really excited to hear a bit about your you know, journey of being adopted. I suppose to kick things off, before you were adopted, can you remember your foster family? So yeah, it was many years ago, but yes, I have a few sort of key memories. Yeah, so my foster family were in a city called Exeter yeah. down in the southwest. It was a lady with two children and yeah, just very much a family home. I remember riding my bike down their garden, crashing into a hedge and wanting to do that over and over again. (laughs) She had a son and I slept on the top bunk in the same bedroom as him. And we used to sort of like midnight snacks and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, sort of a few key memories that stay with me. It's funny when you talk about your early memories of being in foster care because, you know, you talk about, you know, crashing into the hedge. Like a normal, I suppose, cherished childhood memory and um, I have yeah. so many those sorts of memories of my first or the, the first foster home that I can remember because I can't remember the first ever one because I was so young but the first mm. one that I can remember like I remember playing football in the local park I remember my foster mum's cooking and isn't it funny how years on once you leave care or adoption you, you still remember those really supposedly mundane but really powerful and important and significant childhood memories of being in care yeah 100 percent. i mean a few that have stuck with me and i think the positive has kind of stayed with me over the years and it, it it's kind of enabled me to have sort of relational points with with my siblings at times that i didn't really know them and of course you went into an adoptive home which we'll get onto. but did that first foster home did it feel like a home did it feel like a family for you I was probably too young to sort of recognize whether it was a family home or not but it felt 
different. Mm. My only memories there were positive, and I think that was probably something that I didn't have before. So that's probably why those memories that I have have stuck in my mind so vividly. It's, yeah, probably a, a first point of happiness, if you like. I think it's quite remarkable that you remember so much because I think you were adopted at the age of three. So you would have been obviously very young when yeah. you were in the foster home. And I I mean, I remember bits, but I think going to the age of three, that three, two, and obviously below, that's a bit of a stretch. So clearly that home was quite significant. Yeah, definitely. And sort of I communicated those memories at an early age and then you don't know whether you've built them up as a figment of your own imagination, but I've had them verified since that I was on a top bunk, this specific chocolate that we had, a gentleman that was living there as well, an event where my uh, me and my sister stole some Easter eggs and hid behind the curtains and thought no one could see us. So yeah, all those things did happen. Luke, tell me about when you were adopted and also tell us a bit about your childhood growing up in Devon. So with my adoption, I was two and just turned three when I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, I was adopted with my younger brother um, into a lovely house in rural Devon. And that kind of links with with my growing up, I guess. We were in sort of the middle of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. We had access to as many sticks and as much mud as we could get our hands on. So a very happy childhood from that point forward. Yeah, yeah. Did it feel significant or did you feel a significant shift moving into a family where you were adopted do you remember that distinction so my memories were a little bit later than my adoption in respect of sort of feelings if you like I think it felt so new when I was adopted from what I can sort of remember that it was probably hard to sort of build a proper feeling because I I probably not had that security before looking back to when my memories started sort of building with my with my parents yeah yeah it was definitely significant yeah, tell me what you remember of those early years being with that family. Um, were there other children there already? No, so um, me and my brother, that we were my parents' only children. Sort of for early memories, it was lots of outdoorsy stuff. Both my parents are sort of very agricultural. They do a lot outside, so Lovely. our childhood was very much that as well. It was building things, making things such as go karts and. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, it was it was lovely. We had dogs and chickens and things, so a lot of it was, yeah, surrounded by things to do. I'm really interested in how children sort of take and attach to adoptive families because I grew up in care, and Luke, I was used to being moved on. So, yeah, I can't remember the first home that I lived in because I was so young, but the second home was really significant. I was with this Caribbean lady in South London. And I thought she would be, her and her family would be my forever family. Yeah. When I was eight years old, I had to leave that home. And then yeah. I moved to a residential care home. And then after that, I moved two more times. So from quite a young age, Luke, I kind of prepared for that sense of rejection. I prepared for that sense of being moved on. And I never had the chance to really, you know, um, feel at home for a long period of time because I expected that at some point I would have to leave, you know, the relevant family. Um, so, so just tell me about how you kind of settled into that home. When, I mean, it's, I suppose it's quite hard to really, you know, go back and verify, you know, times and ages, but do you remember when it felt like home and when this adoptive family felt like your family? So I think for me, it's, it's, so I guess on 
of a memory basis if you like i think yeah key things we used to have these little plastic chairs that we'd set up in front of the tv and i just remember that being a very sort of friendly and warm feeling like really Mm. felt secure and drives to the local primary school with my mum with different music playing and those things stuck in my mind as security i guess they're very small things maybe insignificant to others but i think for me that really sort of made me feel safe it's incredible i often would kind of exchange the names that I used for foster parents sometimes it would be auntie sometimes Mm. I'd call them by their first name I never got into the territory of mum and when I had a foster dad I never got into the territory of dad Um, yeah when did you call your parents mum and dad so I think it was from fairly soon after we were adopted one of my sort of linking with the, the foster home I was in and one of my earliest memories was seeing these people at this sort of old style barn door, you know, the ones that open on the top and stay closed mm. on the bottom. I remember talking to them, but it turns out that I'd asked them if they were my new mum and dad. So oh, wow. for me, I think that was it was quite an early connection there. Yeah, yeah. That's lovely to hear, Luke. Thank you, because I know this is really vulnerable stuff here. I'm really keen to hear of your siblings and the feelings you had around contact with them. Um, You, of course, said you were adopted with your younger brother. Tell me, was it easier to settle in with this adopted family because you were with your brother? Yeah, I I definitely think so. You you kind of have a shared experience and you're you're able to relate. I mean, he's younger than me, so at Mm. the early years, I don't think we fully understood that. But growing up, we we had a mutual appreciation from from where we'd come from to where we were now and ultimately how lucky we were to be in the position that, well, the place that we grew up in. Um, We were able to sort of um, bounce off of each other and reference things that we were feeling to sort of, I guess, help each other process our past because it it is a bit of a void being in my opinion like my experiences being adopted there's a big question mark on part of your life it's perhaps a hard thing to explain um but I'm, i'll ask anyway mm-hmm. what difference did it make having your brother and do you think how do you think things would have been different if you went into adoption alone i think in the position that i am where i grew up with one of my siblings and um without my other Mm. older siblings I think I can kind of empathize and kind of look at it from both sides so not having a sibling I feel I probably would have had the feeling of feeling maybe lost Mm. not quite sure where I fitted in would have been given this title of being an adoptee um, but not having anybody to kind of check that with what does it feel like we meant to do a specific thing Um, I guess feeling like a bit of an outcast in a sense but also having a sibling enables you to build relationships quicker with family members does it yeah it's you sort of I suppose we do it in in day-to-day life anyway if you've got a friend there that you can sort of bounce off and Mm. see the responses they're getting I think sort of um, subconsciously probably feel a bit more secure having somebody there as backup if you like that's really significant to hear you say and I grew up in care being told that I was an only child and that I didn't have siblings. And so I left care, but in my mid-20s, a man contacted me on social media to say he was my brother. And that sparked so many questions, one of them being, how would I have found navigating care if I had been in care with a brother? And so to hear you talk about how your brother being with him helped is really, really interesting, actually, for my own journey. Um did you know when you were adopted that you had other birth siblings and did you know what happened to them? 
So yeah, we were always told that we had brothers and sisters. We were told that they lived relatively locally in a uh, in the local city, Exeter. Yeah, so we, we were always aware that we had them. I think it was um, a bit of a weird thought to know that we had brothers and sisters that lived locally but didn't live with us. Mm. Why didn't they live with us? And at that young age, it was quite hard to comprehend, I guess, especially sort of being in schools and knowing that sort of friends had their brothers and sisters living with them, which is why I think having my younger brother with me mm. uh, was quite reassuring. I think I can kind of empathize on the side of, or understand might be the better word, um, in respect of not knowing um, about siblings. I have some brothers and sisters in Ireland that I've never met. And I have a half brother that I met when I was very young, but um, yeah, I, I don't see or mm. speak to him unknown reasons if you like so it sounds like you have a really positive relationship with your parents and the brother you were adopted with but equally it sounds as if you have some other relationships with siblings that well you've not met some of them Mm. and others are perhaps a bit fractured how do you feel about the fact that you did go through adoption not having regular contact with a lot of them and some not even knowing about it was quite difficult to, to comprehend, like I said, having friends that had their siblings with them or living or have grown up with them. I suppose as a, uh, a young young boy, you kind of build this this relationship that you have with your siblings that might not be true, but because you know you have them, it's sort of, oh, my big brother does this and my big sister does that. And actually, really, I, I didn't know, but I wanted to feel connected to them in some way because I couldn't mm. see them when they weren't there living with me. I think sort of building up that figment of my imagination, if you like, yeah. um, to make it real that I, I do have brothers and sisters. So what view did you have of them at the time? It was quite a proud view, really. I sort of, I think having older siblings, you look up to them, but obviously not having them there, again, building that sort of figment of my imagination about their personalities and things. I sort of aspired to be them, if you like. Oh, wow. Um, but really, I didn't know them at all, so... But actually sort of saying that, knowing them now, I, I'm I'm glad I had that aspiration. They're all lovely people and sort of well-established, yeah. if you like. But there is that flip side to the view you had of them not knowing them, which, of course, is, well, what if they're not who I expect them to be? And what if they don't want to have a relationship with me? And how did you manage those expectations when you did get in contact with some of them? Yeah, so I, I totally agree. I think sort of going back and linking to what you just said about them not meeting my expectation is when we were growing up and having the the yearly contact, mm. they were in their teens far before I was um, and they were wanting to go out and see their friends and do all the things that they would do as teenagers. So me and my brother were less of a priority. So I think at that point, we, we both, me and my younger brother, may have felt a, a slight disconnect, if you like. Yeah. Did you get enough support in your mind when it came to how you struck up those relationships and that contact? With my siblings? Yeah. Yeah, my my parents were very good at coordinating the visits. The visits primarily were yearly around Christmas, so we'd do sort of an exchange of gifts. We'd go out and play outside and things, and it was it was quite nice in a way because they grew up in a city we had access to sort of things that they they may not have we had a homemade zip line and things so it was great fun sort of showing them all these things that we made i'm not gonna lie your home sounds like oh, a it dream was fantastic Trust me. it was it was an absolute <laughs> dream and i'm very sort of humble about it i'm very um, tracy very beaker would be living <laughs> <laughs> yeah she would wouldn't she 
but no I I love hearing that and it shows that adoption can work and when it works it really works doesn't it and it's great it's great that you had parents who try to facilitate you know contact with siblings because I know that that doesn't always happen it's not always the case both in adoption and also in care when it's down to the local authority yeah we've touched on it but if it's okay can you just I mean how many siblings have you reunited with since being in adoption? So I have one older brother and two older sisters. Mm-hmm. I met once a half sibling, but for sort of reasons on his side in, in terms of his adoption, we, we don't have contact. Can you tell me when you first met your older siblings? I can take you back to my sort of earliest memories, if you like. I have memories when yeah. I was in foster care and sort of meeting up with them. But after adoption, I remember um, they came down to visit at my parents' house. It was really, really cold. And there was like, there's this sort of patch of water that always used to freeze at the bottom of a field. So I, we, me and my younger brother took them out and we sort of stood on the ice. We all fell through and got soaking wet and freezing cold. Literally an icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite literally. I think that one for me stuck in my mind more so because I'd had a conversation with my sister that day surrounding my adoption. It was at a time where I was a bit more cognitively aware around Mm. being adopted and I was starting to ask questions about why how what had happened that kind of thing was it emotional it sounds like it was quite eventful in terms of you know the the ice and and of course you were quite young do you recall any emotion to to that exchange I always whenever they left that was probably when I had sort of a, a different emotion I guess when they were there I was happy really looked forward to seeing them quite a sort of proud younger sibling but when they left mm. I was always left with a lot of questions and I guess that sort of feeling of missing out they were going back to their lives that they'd forged out or started and I was sort of remaining within mine which was a fantastic life don't get me wrong but sort of yeah knowing that I wasn't able to see them as often as I wanted was hard where are those relationships now, Luke? So, yeah, we're all really close. We're all busy, <laughs> as you as you yeah. can imagine, in our sort of adult lives. But they've all got children. We make a lot of time for each other. And we, I'd regard wow. us as all very good friends uh, and siblings. We, we get on, I think, to some respects, we're probably making up for lost time. Luke, it's really moving to hear you talk about where you guys are now because I know that so often it isn't the outcome for yeah. people who go through adoption or care and I'm so happy for you I'm chuffed for you and well done also for having the resilience to see those relationships through because it's not just about the support network you have but it's also about how you approach that stuff yeah and it's not always easy we know that yeah. and it, sometimes it takes a lot of resilience and commitment to you know establish and maintain these relationships through all the you know twists and turns of life and now that you have friends and your siblings, that is incredible. Yeah, definitely. And I, I definitely consider myself very lucky because I know there's people out there that don't have such happy stories. And I think it's almost a testament to the something going right within the the kind of process. The contact was maintained. It was done in a very natural way. We had every, every opportunity at a young age to ask questions I mean later on in life it got a little bit more fractured we all, you once you start forging out your own life with your friends and different things you don't have so much time for your family and I think that's a sort of natural course of growing up but uh, yeah now I'm so glad we all sort of yeah found each other again and um, it shows you that you can be in an adoption but you can still have really meaningful contacts with 
birth relatives. And I think sometimes it's easy to assume that the two aren't possible, that it's either the adoption home or the birth family relationships. But actually, if you have a supportive network, you can just make this beautiful blend of of connections work. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it's ultimately an opportunity for the parents that are adopting or have adopted to kind of um, have a reference group or a reference point for themselves when these contacts happen because they can then sit down and discuss with I don't know the other foster carers or the other adoptive parents and yeah kind of reference their experiences I think it's it's sort of positive on all sides yeah. I think when it becomes clinical yeah an allotted time within a room horrible cup of tea uh, which is some yeah. experiences that I've heard from others I think that's where those experiences could be portrayed as negative it sounds like your parents were really supportive in helping you connect with your siblings I wonder if they got the support to do that for you because they, of course, would have needed support, guidance, professional insight to know how to manage your expectations and and help you integrate with your siblings. Yeah, so I think from my understanding, I may be misplaced in saying it, I don't think they had all that much help. I think early years, they, they had all the sort of the normal checks, just to touch base, check in, any questions, that kind of stuff. But after a few years, we're kind of just left with a phone number and to make those contacts ourselves, it was never supervised. It was always sort of done at one of our addresses, which was always perfectly safe, like the lovely family they went to. And yeah, we were safe at ours. But yeah, I, I never understood it to be anything official. Yeah. Do you think your parents should have got more support? Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, I think... In respect of contact, they did a fantastic job and I wouldn't change anything. But I think in a the broader sense of adoption, I think, yeah, a lot of support and work need, there is a lot of support and work needed around that to kind of improve that element yeah. of adoption. No pressure, by the way, but do you have any thoughts or ideas on what could be done to help support adoptive parents as they try and facilitate sibling relationships for their children? Definitely. I think sort of doing some work recently sort of within the adoption world, I guess, I think we're all, we all come with trauma. I I don't mean that for everybody, but I think it's just an easy way of explaining it. And I think it's such a taboo label is put on it that we're going to be problematic. We're going to have difficulties with our emotions, building relationships, sort of feeling stable within an environment. And I think to kind of educate and inform potential adoptee parents that that it's okay we all everybody goes through that at some stage in their life and not to sort of make it a negative and actually yeah see it as something quite emotive and and something to look forward to that you're going to enable and support somebody through a very tough time in their life and ultimately mm. give them a second chance yeah yeah sounds good sounds really important actually in person it's what we're talking about and i think you know given your experience i think authorities would do well to take what you just said really seriously yeah you had a really positive relationship with your younger brother who you were put into adoption with do you think it's preferable to try and keep siblings together if at all possible yeah I would say it is um I think growing up and having that bit of a the, the question mark and would have been really nice to have everybody together okay we might mm. not get on so well now um, and we maybe have more typical sibling relationships whatever that looks like in in different family environments but I think yeah growing up it would have been nice to have them 
close by and yeah. to really know them and understand them. And it may have sort of enabled a different trajectory for all of us. We've all made good and poor decisions. Um, mm. But I think, yeah, having a family unit around you makes you feel secure and supported when things get hard. And obviously not yeah. sort of speaking on behalf of my siblings, but I know that we all could have done with that support in our lives at some point. I want to ask you about your birth parents, if that's okay. I mean, you've told us about your difficult start in life with your birth parents, mm -hmm. but did you ever try and contact them? Uh, and who supported you to do this, if so? Your adopted parents or your social worker? So, yeah, I did get in contact with my biological father. I didn't have Ooh. any support with that at all. I'm going to pause you. That's big. Yeah. That is big. How did you go about doing that? What was the reaction? Just talk us through that process because I know firsthand that it's not just a simple, I'm getting in touch. Actually, it's a life decision. It's a big life moment when you decide to, you know, try and contact your dad. Um, just, yeah, take us back and talk us through it. So pre-contacting him, I've always been in a very loving environment and my parents have always sort of said they support with that through the correct channels and things like that I think I got to an age where I had so many questions bubbling around in my head and the big social media I was yeah. able to find a name and then do a bit of research and and find him that way which I now know is, is not the best way to get contact it was potentially mm. unsafe I think the reason I did that was uh, it was not true and I've, I've definitely reflected over the years but I felt I was um communicating that I wanted something more um, but that yeah. wasn't the case like I have very loving parents and I didn't want them to feel like I was trying to replace them so I almost did it in a bit of secret and knowing that sort of it was yeah not a good time in my life which almost felt bad if you like if you don't mind me asking and you don't have to answer this but how did your dad react when you got in touch so it was obviously an initial conversation on online it was quite neutral a lot of catching up the sort of for well the meet and greet that we had um i actually met up with him a year later he was i was younger than 18 at the time and he was good to say no you've got to wait until you're older than 18 which I, I respect that now i think looking back my level of maturity would have clouded my judgment um he told you to wait until you were 18 for the in-person yeah. meet yeah okay which was good um and how did it go when you met in person it was okay. It was strange. I haven't pursued the relationship any further. Yeah. Because of some sort of perspectives of conversation that we had. Um, and I just felt I didn't need that in my life. It didn't bring anything. Yeah. I can relate to yeah. you 100%. Sometimes it's just the curiosity, isn't it? Yeah. It's just knowing. Sometimes knowing is enough. Just to say that you know what they look like yeah. or that you've met them and that you've got that touch point to your past. Yeah. Sometimes you don't need anything else. No, I think it's in a that, good did person. you get any support? I did from my older brother. Yeah. He wow. had previously met, I believe, and he was sort of a very good reference point. And ultimately, yeah, just somebody I could talk to about it. I didn't sort of, I know that I could speak to my parents about it, but I didn't really want to. I think, again, yes. that sort of secretive feeling, I didn't want them to feel like I was silently communicating that they weren't enough because they, they are. But they're really complex feelings yeah. to manage, feelings of wanting to be loyal, but also wanting to know about your birth relatives and knowing how to manage all of those nuances and emotions takes a lot of emotional resilience. And you do need support to do that. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's something that I'd look to. I'd, I'd hope the adoption in the future kind of incorporates that a bit better because, I mean, my reference point was my parents mm. and I was very reliant on the information that they could provide to me, which they were always very helpful. They'd always support me in that. But I think almost having almost like that sort of contact card in your back pocket. So when you hit a specific age, if you feel that you want to do it by yourself, yeah. but with some support outside of your adopted family, you can always just call that number and, and get that support without feeling... Yeah, um, I wouldn't know where to start at that age, let's put it that way. Well, I tell you, you're a brave man, Luke, because you have navigated a lot of reunions and unions that are really deep and personal, and it sounds like you're in a really good space now. Yeah. But what do you think is the most important thing adopted parents can do for their adopted children in terms of contact with siblings and birth families? Yeah, do it. That's all I can say is you... It, okay, it may open the door to some difficult times, a lot of questions and some questions that you may not have answers to, but I think it's an integral part of anybody's upbringing mm. to be able to access those relationships and feel included, not isolated. And like you said earlier, sort of having that connection to the past, whether you want want to sort of talk about it then or when you're older, you have mm. that opportunity if you need it. Yeah totally agree well thank you and of course it's so important to hear about these relationships and how complex they can be both for you you know in the adoption system but also in the care system I know that in terms of my siblings my dad even when I met my mum they were all relationships that I don't feel I got enough support in terms of how I handled them and and went about you know dealing with them so clearly there is a lot of work to be done on both sides of care We've touched on it, but how do you feel now about being adopted? And do you wish anything had happened differently with your siblings? Yeah, I I love the fact I'm adopted. I think I've always seen it as a second chance and that's how I caption it really is that I was dealt a hand and I've ultimately been given a fantastic opportunity. And I I am the person that I am today because I was adopted, if you like. Mm. Mm. I think in respect to my siblings, I, I would have loved for them to have been adopted or adopted with me so I could have had that sort of normal childhood upbringing if you like because their their story is different to mine and Mm -hmm. yeah they've they've had challenges in their life because of that start I know you do talks around adoption now Luke tell me tell me about this yeah, so it was a couple of years ago. I was, I can't remember how I got into it. I was approached to do an article for the Metro mm. it was during COVID. But in doing so, um, I got a lady called Denise Smalley got in contact with me and spoke to me about some groups, ambition panels, almost like a reference group, if you like. Um, and mm. that was alongside Sarah Joel. And those have been fantastic, not only to kind of talk about the way forward for adoption and to be heard, but also listening to some people's stories it's really humbling to know that I hadn't just gone through those by myself and I wasn't sort of building up a a past that was um, exacerbated or untrue yeah lots of people have been through what I've been through and it it was it's it's nice to have that connection to a a group of people yeah I also did a talk with Chris Kadaya for the UK oh I know Chris yeah so I I did a talk with him it must have been early no late last year um around Mm. adoption in sibling groups as well which was fantastic so yeah similarly in the care world luke i 
get invited to speak at events and to share my story. And it's so important that we tell our stories. Yeah. And it's really important that we understand the significance and the power of our voices and what we've been through. Because we know that there are loopholes of of spaces that need to change. We know that there are imperfections with these systems. And who else, you know, to bring about the positive change and reflect the issues, if not us? And so I think it's really good. And actually, for me personally, I don't know about you, but I'm quite forward thinking. I want to move forward with my life. I want to build my life, create my future. And so sometimes I can neglect what I've been through. But being able to talk about it, being able to do podcasts and share my experiences, I find as a form of therapy, weirdly, yeah. you know, it's allow me to process what's happened and I'm able to excavate or extrapolate the good and the bad. And I've learned so much just from what I've shared with other people. I don't know about you. Couldn't agree more. I think when I was younger talking about my upbringing and adoption and things, it, it would sort of deplete my social battery. If you like, I'd come away feeling mm. quite exhausted, but now in my sort of adult years talking more openly about it and having these amazing opportunities to do talks and be on reference panels and and talk to yourself I feel more confident I feel happier in talking about it which brings me clarity but hopefully it will sort of enable clarity for other people as well which is quite humbling and what do you hope adoption looks like in the future what do you want to see change I'd like to think that adoption incorporates the views and thoughts of people that have been adopted whether that helps inform policy or the forms that they use or the processes that uh, prospective adoptee parents go through um, mm. to fully understand the process because it, it is a daunting process. I've spoken to people that are going through it at the moment and they, they've said to me, it's actually really nice to talk to somebody that's adopted that understands the process whether that be on more of a emotional or psychological level as opposed to just the forms and the process of how the meets work and mm. um, the paperwork that you have to fill in and all that stuff. It's actually understanding what you're getting from that relationship. Yeah. And I, I had a conversation with someone once and it's you love isn't enough for an adopted child. And I think that sounds like a bit of a, a callous comment, but mm. you need love and stability and just to feel so secure and that's ultimately yeah. what what can kind of shape your future because love's great, but we need stability. Can't talk for everybody. That's my own experience, but yeah. Luke, I'm so glad that you use your voice in the way that you do. I'm so glad that you have got to a space where you've got healthy and meaningful relationships with your siblings and that you still have such a positive connection with your parents. Mm-hmm. I am so inspired by your story and I think many other people listening will be too. So look, thank you so much. I do think that just about finishes us up for today. So thank you for coming on today and sharing your experiences. We really do appreciate it, Luke. All the best and thank you again so much. Not a problem. Thank you so much for having me and for uh, yeah all the work you're doing as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of You Can Adopt. Listen out for more new episodes coming up. And if you haven't already, check out the first six episodes that cover many different and interesting stories from adoptive families. For more information and to take the first step towards growing your family, visit youcanadopt.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching You Can Adopt. PAC UK is the country's largest independent adoption support agency and works with all of those affected by adoption and other forms of permanent care to provide advice, support, 
specialist therapy and counselling. For more information, please visit www.pac-uk.org or call 020 7284 5879.